Solace Friends is a new nonprofit organization seeking to provide hospice care to the homeless to give them a safe, comfortable place as they reach the end of their life. Joining us now in the studio are Solace Friends Executive Director Kendra Deja. Welcome, Deja. Welcome, Kendra. Good morning. And uh, also joining us is Board of Directors President Dr. Ann Catlett. Welcome, Ann. Thank you, Ryan. So uh, tell us first about what the gaps in the current services provided by existing Dane County hospices uh, are that Salas Friends is trying to fill. Um, Kendra, let's start, let me start with you. Oh, sure. Um, so our it's important to know, the first thing I want our listeners to know is that Salas home is a home. So we, Solace Friends is operating an adult family home. Um, we are serving four residents at a time. And so we are aiming to provide home and caregiving for people who may lack both. So we are not a hospice agency. We will work with hospice agencies that care for residents within Solace Home. Um, but the way that we meet gaps in our current system is that there are people who do not have the resources or do not wish to live in a hospital or um, a facility setting or on the street when they are terminally or seriously ill. And so Solace Home is hoping to provide a home environment for those people um, who choose to come and live with us. And if you're unhoused or homeless now and you're terminally ill, I mean, aside from Solace Home, where do people end up in that situation? And Well, we actually don't really know because statistics are not available. No one is really keeping track of what's happening to this population at end of life and where they are. Um, we think that people are spending maybe their last weeks in a hospital setting, but that's you know getting kind of inappropriate level of care. They need maybe a skilled nursing facility or a supportive environment outside of the hospital, but there's no place for them to go. We think people probably are doubling up, that they're um, begging you know, some friends or maybe estranged family members to take them in at the very end of life, but we actually don't really know. I mean, what we do know is that no shelter system is um, able to take care of this population. The people who go to shelters, they're waiting in line to get in to the day shelter. They're being transported by bus and then waiting in line to get into the night shelter. So just imagine that you are someone who is sick and not doing well, and you need to stand in line in the cold. Um, there's not any one place where someone can lay down um, and and be comfortable. I'm kind of surprised that we don't have statistics about that. I mean, yeah. given the fact that, I mean, there, if, if someone dies, there's going to be a death certificate. There's going to be an attempt to try and find an address. How do we not know if these people are, are, are unhoused or homeless uh, at the time of death? Shouldn't we, isn't that, seems like something we should have some records of. I agree. I agree. So one of the problems is that the hospital systems, um, unless things have changed in the past couple of years, but the last I knew, the hospital systems don't have a way to keep track of this population, um, partly because people are offering addresses at admission that might be a mailing address. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want to talk about their homelessness because um, they're afraid, for instance, that their children will be taken from them. So it's not always clear who in the hospital is in this population. So even deaths that are tracked in hospital might not be linked to their housing situation. And then the last I knew, and I, boy, if any of the listeners know otherwise, we'd, be lo we'd love to hear it, but 
at the coroner's office, they're, they're not collecting that data, too, in terms of who is who and where they're dying. Um, we just don't have a system yet. I do know that the city has put some effort into keeping track of some of the population and sort of the, the numbers of deaths and the ages of deaths, but that's not telling us if they died with or without hospice care or in a comfortable setting. So, Kendra, you uh, just started as the executive director. Uh, what drew you to this organization, and what were you doing prior to this? Oh, that's a great question. So, I am a social. I always say I'm a social worker turned nurse turned nurse practitioner. <laughs> um, it's been a long, winding journey to get to Silas Friends, but I have spent the last 25 years working in hospice or palliative care or end-of-life care in some capacity. Um, I spent a lot of years living in California, which on days like today I miss. But otherwise, um, I, I was um, alerted about Solace Friends through an organ- um, a group of death doulas who are doing some work in the community, and I had met with them, and one of them told me about Solace Friends, and it, it's a mission for myself, it's much like anybody who hears about Solace Friends. It it was a mission that spoke directly to my heart, and I've been keeping an eye on it the last few years. And thankfully, the organization reached a point in our growth and our fundraising that they were able to hire me. So it is, um, it is the kind of mission that people immediately feel compelled to be part of. And back in August, you spoke with WRT reporter Elizabeth Walsh, and Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, the hope was to open a facility in Monona by the first of the year. Um, What's happened since then? Obviously, you've hired an executive director, so that's that's some progress, but how close are you to welcoming your first resident? Well, I'll get you caught up on what has been happening and then hand it over to Kendra for that last part of the question, but um, we have continued to... garner volunteer support and financial support. We have had a lot of volunteers work on both the demolition and the renovation of the house. And the house renovations have continued throughout this winter. They are on the cusp of being done. Um, So uh, there's been a whole lot of activity and a whole lot of growth. Um, A new volunteer coordinator who is getting all of our volunteers ready to go and trained. So a lot has been happening, but the renovations just haven't been able to get, you know, all wrapped up in time for us to open quite yet. But Kendra can speak more about where we are right now. Yeah. So what's, where are you now and what's next? It's really exciting. Every time you go to the house, something new has happened. Ooh, a door or ooh, a cabinet. (laughs) Um, But I think, so it's, it's. It might have taken a little longer than we hoped, but we are being very intentional about building an environment of care in the home and also a community of care. And so part of that is what we are doing now. We are hiring, um, we are interviewing and hiring caregiving staff, and we are continuing to recruit and train volunteers to be part of our mission. Um, So we are very close. We will be opening... um, We we are very close to opening. (laughs) We will be opening... I, I say spring, but that makes it seem farther away than it's going to be because we are we are on the cusp of, of um, welcoming people and we do have um, a waiting list already. We have been in touch with hospitals and clinics in the community who have spoken to us about p- people that would be appropriate for Salas Home. So um, particularly in this cold weather, I think at night, I can't wait to be open. I can't wait to serve this community. So we're close. <laughs> what will your capacity be when you're fully functional? Um, we are licensed to have four residents at a time. Okay. And what is the demand for this kind of care? 
I think that's what we're, I think the exciting part is that's what we are going to find out. Um, in working with our community partners, part of my job as coming as executive director is to work with our community partnerships. So that's people like hospice agencies who will be providing hospice care in our home, from hospitals to clinics to community clinics to homeless service agencies and case managers who are working with people on the street who are unhoused. Um, there's a lot of excitement uh, in this community around this, and I think the exciting part is we just don't know the demand. We we could be full the first day. We could we could wait a couple weeks until people know more about us. But the overwhelming feeling is in the community that this is a population who has been traditionally hard to put in in our current system. Mm -hmm. These are people who are dealing with, we expect people to have challenges like mental illness or substance abuse. And, and our goal is to welcome people into our home and make it a space of just radical kindness where people are accepted for who they are and their personhood is honored at the end of their life. And so we, we're, we are excited to pull, you know, to be able to build the data around this, but the, the word is that, that we're going to be meeting a need. We're excited. So uh, you mentioned that you have a waiting list uh, already, and that seems to would seem to imply that there's probably more than four people who might be mm. in need of this care. Is there hope that this can become a model that others will emulate? And can you Ab speak to that? Absolutely. Um, I want to add to what Kendra just said, that we have been told by hospital discharge planners to get ready to open a second facility. And you know, we sort of laugh at it. We're so focused on opening this one facility. But we do think that we can be a model. Um, actually, we are following the lead of several other similar houses throughout the country who start these homes specifically for vulnerable populations. So we have followed their lead. We think that there are, are you know some communities in Wisconsin who want to follow our lead, in particular in Milwaukee. Someone has already said, um, do this well so that we can imitate what you're doing in the Milwaukee area. So, yeah, we think that that's a possible. I'm not sure that we're going to franchise or expand, um, but, but time will tell. Where are some of the places that are doing this well? Um, the, so our mentors are in Chattanooga, in Salt Lake City, uh, Santa Barbara, there are a few others that are they're kind of leaving me right now. I think Indianapolis, there's one in Michigan um, that are specific to a vulnerable population. So you don't have to reinvent Denver. the wheel. There's some people no. who've done this work before. Correct. I mean, the only wheel we're reinventing is that no one's done this in Wisconsin yet. So our adult family home regulations, um, how funding might work, all of that is very unique to our state. So some of that we've had to figure out on our own. We've been speaking with Solace Friends Executive Director Kendra Deja and Board of Directors President Ann Catlett. Thank you both for joining us on the 8 o'clock Thank bus. you, Brian. Thanks it was so a much. pleasure.